Hey friends, tickets are now available for our new series of live workshops taking place in November and December. They're focused on getting coffee professionals and small business owners better prepared for 2023. There's one for coffee professionals, one for those looking to start or grow their business as a coffee consultant, and there's one for customer acquisition planning that's tailored to small business owners. Go to mapperforward.coffee forward slash events to grab tickets or check the show notes for details. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Map It Forward, friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and I am joined again by Yanis, the CEO of the SCA. Now, today we want to talk about uh, whose interests does the SCA represent? And in the last episode, we spoke about the fact that SCA is a nonprofit. So let's talk about what that means and let's talk about revenue and money and this is one of those dirty subjects that people don't want to talk about money but we shouldn't shy away from it because there are reasons we want to understand how this works so whose interests financially does the SCA represent and 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 uh, what let's start with what does it mean that you guys are a non-profit okay let's take it step by step um yeah so SCA is a non-profit. What does mm-hmm. that mean? That means that it doesn't mean that we don't make profit. It's not called profit in the non-profit world. It's called surplus, as it's called mostly in in all of the budgets of governments around the world. Um, <laughs> so one of those tri- is, little trickery and fuckery kind of yeah, things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is which is not like the best way to compare, but. But let's go to, to the, the actual point. It means that we have zero shareholders, meaning we don't okay. give dividends. So there is no profit distribution in SEA. Now, okay. as an organization, that doesn't mean that we don't want to create surpluses. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that we don't want to have reserves. Mm-hmm. You might hear reserves as net equity of the organization. Mm-hmm. Why? First of all, because that's keep us alive. Let let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. SCA since the merger had the negative equity. Um, in two thousand nineteen, I think when I became the CEO, eighteen was minus seven hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Then we just barely managed to reverse it um, to to make it like. 300,000. Let me give you an example of what that means. Okay. The SCA has employees and expenses, like we have to pay the rent, the bill, the, the electricity, mm-hmm. whatever. And in case something goes wrong, as I said to my board in 2019, and we have like a, a catastrophe in the world. Pandemic or something like that. No, I didn't say I actually said the new 9-11 and we, we're not able to produce the shows. We might lose money and we'll mm-hmm. have to pay all this debt. So how do we support the organization? Right. And we need to get to a point where we have enough equity and a good best practice is around six months of your expenses um, to be able to survive. Now, like working boom. capital, right? Yeah. So back then we had like an annual 
annual expenses of around 19 million to produce the sales, salaries, whatever. And um, and the six months would be like 10, let's say. And we had 300,000. And then boom, pan pandemic happened. And all of a <laughs> sudden we had to navigate all this. Now, we managed to navigate that today, SCA, I think we're going to be having an, an equity around 4 million at the end of this year. So a bit less, but we have managed to reverse that. It's not about making profit. It's about having enough reserves to navigate a, a major disruption, mm -hmm. to make sure that our employees feel that they are protected, they have they will be getting their salaries. We can navigate that. We will be able to pay the rent and the bill, but also have enough money when it's needed to invest. So when we want to make an investment to push something in the industry, to do some research, as we're doing now with a coffee value assessment system, we have the money and we have the reserves to invest as mm -hmm. we did some years ago with the, the, the price crisis response. So when it's time for SEA to actually make investments in the industry, we have the ability to do those investments. So non-profit means that you don't get to distribute profits to any shareholders. It doesn't mean that we don't make surplus at the end of the year, that we don't give neg uh, positive equity. We don't have to have a zero result at the end. No, mm -hmm. we need to have a positive result. It doesn't mean that we have to pay our employees cheap. We right. are not in the for-profit world. So our employees do not have to have benefits that other employees might have in other organizations like equity, stock options, like there's such things that not exist. Mm -hmm. And we need to find ways to make SEA attractive to talents or whatever. So that perception that non-profit means you get paid pay, nothing <laughs> you get paid nothing you don't need to make money like yeah uh, it, well, it's and, not the reality and let's be real it's 2022 and uh you know attracting talent is tough everywhere. and e everywhere especially in this climate and salary and flexible work environments etc etc is what people are looking for, mostly. So if I hear you correctly, you pay well as one way of being able to, well, I'm, I'm not saying you pay. Uh -huh. We we are trying to pay. Fair. Somewhere in the market. We can't afford to pay super well because I don't have all these incentives that other organizations in for-profit world might have. Right. But we, I do know that most of the people that work in SEA, they they join the SEA for a specific reason because they find fulfillment by working with an organization with such a purpose, right? Including okay. myself. But we can talk about it some right. other time. So it's been, you know, unfortunately, this is an an industry where a small group of voices get very loud. Mm -hmm. So when people talk about CEO salaries, that has definitely been something that has been spoken about. Uh, are you comfortable following this line of discussion? We don't have any problem. Great. So uh, there has been discussion about 
previous CEO being paid half a million dollars and blah, 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 blah. Tell me why we should be okay with that. Oh, you should be okay with that. And actually the previous CEO was not paid enough. Like, let me say that simple as that. Like nobody needs to be embarrassed for for what they are making. Okay. I am not embarrassed from what I'm making. And I am going to tell you that I wish I, I make more money and I might make more money in the future. So mm-hmm. I'm happy with that. I'm not embarrassed that our employees make the money they make. Mm-hmm. And they shouldn't be embarrassed because they've studied, they're working hard as everybody else, and they're getting compensated, but they don't have the benefits that they have for a for-profit world. Also, we benchmark our salaries with what is out there in the for-profit world before mm-hmm. benefits and with other CEOs in trade associations. Mm-hmm. So I don't have any problem with that. If people want to throw stones, they can always throw stones. Um, but I think that being fairly compensated for your qualifications and and the work that you're doing, it's not something that um, I have any problem with. And yeah, we can Great. be as transparent. And don't forget, we're we're transparent. Most for-profit organizations, they don't publish right. salaries or whatever. We we have this 990 form that goes out every year. People knows salaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. that's fine. That's fine. So so if we talk about going back to our original question of who does whose interest does the SCA represent? We've spoken about the money, we've spoken about um, salaries. Now, the surplus that SCA makes, if we bring that back to the industry, whose interests do those surpluses get attributed to? So let's say this. The SCA represents the interests of all its members slash the interests of the people that they want to make coffee better because that's why we exist. Mm-hmm. So it's not, but still we're a trade association. So we're going to be focusing on the interests that people that they want to do trade and how they can, they can have, they can make a betterment to mm-hmm. everyone on the value chain through trade. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the surpluses, they exist not to be going completely back to the, to the, to the industry. I said mm-hmm. we need to keep some surpluses to make sure that the organization survives mm-hmm. long term. Also, they are there as a, a mechanism where we find funding to make investments when the time is right. And when mm-hmm. their project is so big and it's not necessary for the industry to make it. And we did it with the price crisis response. We're doing it now with the coffee value assessment systems. Like we are deliberately picking subjects to invest or areas to invest when we want to advance the industry Um, and challenge the thinking or the status quo of the industry because we know that the biggest enemy of the industry is that stagnation. Yeah. Yep. hundred percent. So 
so make a girl happy and tell her that coffee competitions are not going to be the only place that we're investing. Oh no, coffee competitions is is, is that, that is important. What is coffee competitions? Okay, so no, no, I I want to address that. Okay, when SCAA and SCAE created World Coffee Events, it was the understanding mm-hmm. that the baristas will go out there and communicate what specialty coffee is to the consumers because nobody had the financial strength to go out and communicate to the consumers what is happening in the coffee industry. Mm. And still we don't have that. Though the competitions started from that place, that it will be a stage where baristas will communicate. And that's the whole WBC routine is to communicate to judges what you're going to have, why you're having, what is the farm. Mm-hmm. So if you see at this concept, it was very valid. And it's still very valid to some people because they find it's a way where we bring in... Purpose new, and new, community and... But also new baristas. Like this is how you bring in new people into specialty coffee sometimes. It's like the competition. It's not everybody that like competitions. I don't. I know. But it's also a way to push industry forward. We push machine equipment forward. We push processing forward all these years. Mm-hmm. We like remember 10, 15 years ago when I was started looking at the competitions for the first time, how many technical timeouts we had because the machine was not working. The machine mm-hmm. was not do- Today, we have zero technical timeouts. Actually, we don't have a technical judge anymore in, in some competitions. Mm-hmm. So things have evolved. Now things are going to evolve even more. Like things are changing and, and changes are happening to the competitions. There is a competition strategic committee. They're thinking about different stuff. Like there have been discussions since 2015 about um, plant-based milks. There have been discussions about how we deliver coffees, like machines, we've seen a lot. So competitions is not uh, there to be blind. They were there to start things. Always there will be people that they take advantage of, of something. They know how to extract the most out of the system. But that's fair. Somebody has spent the time to see how I can tweak and, and get the most out of it. It doesn't mean that it doesn't serve the purpose anymore. I'm just and saying. I get you. Sometimes I wish that our conversations not on this podcast had been recorded so that we could actually put them on the podcast because they're great. My issue with all of that, though, is, Yanis, that there is a fundamental thing that's not being addressed by these competitions, and that is... There, there are a couple of things, but most importantly is that fundamentally our business models are broken for the small business owner. Okay, yeah, hundred percent. You know, and it, and, 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 and and this doesn't include the producer. Like it's exactly that, all that. all all of the small business owners, the smallholder coffee producers, as well as the cafes and coffee roasters. We've got some fundamental issues, and baristas are not getting paid enough, and blah 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 blah. You get where I'm coming from, but. But the truth is that, yes, there are flaws. 
and nobody can say that they're not but things like there are people that they're talking designing thinking about it people that they come from the community it's not just someone sitting up there like the buddha making okay i'm gonna make the, i'm sorry i i need to be politically correct like i'm, I'm like i'm gonna make the decision no it's no, like no, i get it's, it it's a competition strategic committee that they come together there are former world barista champions are people judges people that they have contributed too many these years on the competitions they're discussing about it and they know the issues and they try to say okay what are the changes that we need to make and of course we need to put in the producers on stage we need to to bring the teams on stage like yes we know we have been hearing a lot change is not no i i want to give you that like i i i 100 hear that again we need to give grace for change to happen there needs to be a time (laughs) that we give people that to happen yeah and sometimes the pace of change does not like lacks the pace of anticipation of change right? or the anticipation of the pace that okay. we're going to change. Yeah, there, there is a delta there. Um, we can try to make it faster. Yeah. but Because from my perspective and from the perspective of a lot of people post-MICE and the conversations that I've had, people are kind of getting tired of the hero worshipping that comes with all of this. And how are we an industry that waxes poetic about uh, producers and redistribution of power through the value chain, et cetera, et cetera. And yet we have as the hallmark of what we're doing, our Quidditch, let's use a Harry Potter reference, our Quidditch is this elitist endeavor. Well, I hear what you're saying, but on the other hand, the 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 society in sports in everything they celebrate competition. And is it the right model? But everybody here, they become an ambassador and a good ambassador for the the specialty coffee industry. Do like, they though? I think 99% of the people that they become champions, they are good ambassadors. They do believe in specialty and they go out and and advocate for that. Now, because they do share the same values. I don't think that anyone who is like, you start from barista, okay? Mm -hmm. And, And you grow to be a competitor in the world championships. 1% 1% will be people just because they, they want to compete. But 99% of the people will be there because they're trying to make coffee better and they believe that's the way to, to do it because we haven't sold them any other way. Or that's the first thing that they get drawn into. But competitions, it's a big community, mm-hmm. but it's not as big as the coffee industry. It is part though, of the coffee industry. Right. And and it's I, I think it, it's fine because it demonstrates kind of of the excellence. As as we have like competitions for producing countries, like you have the, the Cup of Excellence. Cup of Excellence, yeah. Which is a great 
I love the Cup of Excellence, totally. Exactly. It's a great manifestation on the producing side of, of where specialty can get, where coffees can get. I don't see any problem with that. I, I do understand that not everyone has access. Yeah. Right? Like we have a, the, that problem. Not everybody has access. Not everybody can afford to be a part of it. There are visas and things like there's a whole bunch of shit that's broken about it that it's not actually addressing the biggest problems in the industry. But, but it's also a great way to create ambassadors in the industry that speak about it. I, I believe that. Like okay. every single competitor that I've met is like a great person to advocate for specialty coffee in the world. And, and I, don't, I don't see a problem with that per se. We need to see, do, to understand how we take this and we navigate into the society. Because you talked about visas I or agree. whatever. Like the visas is not a coffee problem. It's, it's not a coffee we, problem. Go on. Yeah, we, can, we cannot have like producers or even baristas fly into Australia or the US or right. other countries in the world. It's, it's a bigger issue. Right. All right, we've got one episode to go. Okay. Um, and so we're going to finish it there and we'll be back in the next episode, everybody. Peace, love and peanut butter. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in, friends. There are two ways you can support this podcast. Firstly, become a paid member of our YouTube channel. Secondly, you can join our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Both have options for exclusive ad-free content and early release content. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. The Daily Coffee Pro is produced by Map It Forward and the music you're listening to is called Run 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 off of my album Laundry After Midnight. To get older episodes of this podcast, as well as more information on Map It Forward, head to mapitforward.coffee. You can find links and more information in the show notes below.